the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were given to the average American, the rich would have their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a really great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once it's in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So let's supercharge your wealth building plan now with Jim McAleese. Get Rich Slow. This is your money school for financial winners. Here we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans, plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Slow gives you solid financial strategies, strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, Please join us for the next hour for Get Rich Slow. I'm Jim McAleese, Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultants Incorporated. We're securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group Incorporated, which is a member of FINRA and Civic. Cornerstone Consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well, good morning. Can you believe the beautiful day we enjoyed yesterday? Sunshine all day long, 64 degrees. It doesn't get any better than that in February in Northeast Ohio. The rest of the last week was not too shabby either, but all good things must come to an end. 50% chance of rain today. I hope it's just showers, but who knows? And colder weather is forecast for next week. But wasn't that a wonderful present we had for us? And now we're only about five or six weeks away from the official start of springtime. Spring arrives on March 19th. And are you ready for some football tomorrow? The Super Bowl is tomorrow. It should be a great game between the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. Kickoff is 6.30 Eastern Standard Time. So, here's hoping nobody here runs out of snacks or beverages, or maybe, just maybe, sometime in the next few years, the Browns will make it to the Super Bowl. Then we'll really celebrate. Now, that would be really something exciting. But if watching a Super Bowl isn't exciting enough, uh, let's say you have a chance to score some points for St. Valentine's Day on Wednesday. Those who plan ahead will be ready, and those who don't will be scrambling. Remember, while we're relax- relaxing this weekend, or whatever we have time, the, we could t- start thinking about and talking about our financial futures. Maybe try to add to our savings or define how to afford what we want and uh, dream of it in our future. Make sure it's in the in the financial plan. This was another good week for U.S. equities. The Standard and Poor 500 closed above 
5,000 this week, helped by a big gains in uh, NVIDIA, as well as the picture of a strong U.S. economy with strong earnings in the fourth quarter, with nearly two-thirds of the Standard and Poor 500 companies reporting so far. Uh, something like 81% of the companies have beat earnings estimates and also a strong job report the preceding week where the reported gains of 353,000 jobs for January was over twice that expected. So a strong jobs report and low uh, unemployment numbers like 3.7% unemployment number and also uh, a good uh, information with regard to raises. And then there's also a strong uh, GDP report. The preceding week showed uh, annualized growth of 3.3% in the fourth quarter. And uh, that's uh, far above the consensus expectations for a 2.0 gain. And... Uh, implied a 3.1% year-over-year increase, much higher than the 2.6% that the Federal Reserve officials had penciled in at their mid-December meeting. And inflation continues its downward trajectory, even as the Federal Reserve uh, has an increase to federal funds rate increases or interest rates since July of last year. It's held the rate steady for the last four uh, Federal Open Market Committee meetings, one in September, November, December, and January. Uh, December's inflation measurement <clears throat> using the Federal Reserve's preferred personal consumption expenditure price index came in lower than had been expected given the December uh, CPI numbers, consumer price index numbers. And the uh, year-over-year growth uh, rate in the headline uh, personal consumption expenditure index came in at 2.6%, while the year-over-year change in the core uh, PCE, uh, neglecting food and fuel, came in at 2.9%. So here in December, they're talking about uh, the all-item uh, basket of goods and services uh, and has increased 2.6% over the last 12 months. And they're saying that if you remove the food and, and energy, uh, it's, only, it's increased 2.9%. And in fact, inflation is expected to decrease in the uh, to 2% basically by the end of this year. So, uh, what you're seeing is that uh, the economy is strong, the economy is growing, people have jobs, people are working, and the uh, the interest rates have uh, they, they've frozen them for right now, and, and the uh, anticipation is that they'll start to go down sometime. That's the big unknown right now, but it's not... It's one of those good unknowns, not a bad unknown. And, and uh, all those things, have, uh, plus the earnings going up, too, has uh, increased the, uh, uh, the equities markets. So uh, all of that has propelled the Standard & Poor 500 index, as well as uh, both the Dow Jones Industrial Average and the NASDAQ composite. Uh, they've uh, the uh, all those three indices have gone up uh, for the 14 of the last 15 weeks. If you recall, there were nine consecutive weeks of gains for the three uh, stock indices at the end of last year, and that was followed by one down week at the start of this year, followed by the uh, five consecutive weeks of uh, gains. So. Uh, basically, investors are waiting in anticipation that the uh, Federal Reserve will start to lower the federal funds rate, which is presently between five and a quarter and five and a half percent. 
and their expectations for a rate cut starting in March were kind of dashed uh, <clears throat> about a week ago, maybe two weeks ago, by uh, Chairman Powell of the Federal Reserve uh, when he indicated that March would probably be too soon uh, to start decreasing the rates. But investors are now hopeful for May or June. Uh, it's moving in the right direction because once the interest rates begin to go down, then uh, it'll alleviate a lot of pain in the real estate market. The interest rates are one of the main drivers in the real estate market. The strength of the economy is a is a concern uh, at the, in terms of the Federal Reserve because of its strong growth in tight labor market. And it's three percent, three uh, unemployment. So, with the uh, the, the uh, investors basically want the Fed to start lowering these rates, and the Fed is concerned that uh, they'll begin to lower those rates, and suddenly inflation will reignite. So, uh, they're hesitant to, to jump in there and start re, uh, reducing those rates. They'll hold on. Well, they'll hold on as long as they can. In other words, they're they're kind of uh, uh, trying to make a decision as to uh, when do we we uh, start decreasing these rates. Uh, the arguments would be that if you keep the rates high, then you're uh, slowing down uh, the economy and. Uh, uh, making it, uh, making the landing uh, tougher. Uh, so you want to get the rates down to, to help the economy grow as much as it possibly can. But uh, then you don't want to, you don't want to uh, uh, cut it and then cause inflation to speed up. Uh, there was that case of Burns's blunder we talked before. About in the seventies, uh, so they're there, and also they've got the uh, election coming up, which kind of limits what you can do in, uh, you know, uh, September and October. Uh, I don't know whether a cut in those two months would be criticized or not for being political, but uh, maybe even August. So you got to certain time frame that you can uh, make the cuts and uh, uh, good news and bad news if you make that wrong decision about cutting too soon or too late. So, uh, But that's that's what we pay them for. So uh, we'll see what comes out of that and we'll, we'll basically hear about it. And uh, uh, what we're seeing is investors uh, uh, the strength of the economy is a big concern, and this continues for, you know, with its uh, strong growth and tight labor markets. Economic data this week showed that the service sector of the economy, after slowing uh, the expansion of the service sector in December, had increased their rate of expansion in January with significant increases in new orders and employment. So if you recall, the idea of the curing inflation was uh, the plan for the uh, curing inflation as far as the Federal Reserve was concerned was to increase those interest rates, thereby slowing the economy down, uh, thereby reducing the demand and also allowing the... uh, uh, some time for the supply chains to catch up. Uh, that was uh, the cure for inflation, and it's basically worked so far in terms of inflation reaches peak in, in June of 2022. It has now come down from its peak of 9.1% to basically uh, uh, 2.9%. So, so uh I think we're in basically in good shape in terms of uh, inflation, and now we have to make sure that uh, uh, the the 
economy doesn't speed up too much and introduce more inflation into the system. Uh, we're going to review the service sector later in the show, and we'll be able to take a look at two two data points. One is comes from the Institute of Supply Management in their service uh, survey, and the other one comes from S&P Global uh, U.S. Services uh, Purchasing Managers Index. They use two different methodologies but in determining what the service sector and the economy is doing. In addition, the manufacturing sector of the economy uh, has been in contraction for probably, I think, the last 15 months, and uh, it started to move up. It's still in contraction, but uh, it's barely at the neutral point. In both of these surveys, uh, the survey for the the service sector as well as the survey for the manufacturing sectors, they look at all the the, uh, groups in the manufacturing sector, the the steel making, the manufacturing, um, the fabrication, and all the rest of these areas it uh, uh, the uh, contact the uh, managers in those areas and the managers tell them uh, what is happening uh, this month relative to last month are we getting better worse about the same and uh, they use that uh, as a um, data set to show them uh, whether the economy is going up or down uh it doesn't have the precision that the you know the government data does where they go and uh actually go through all the uh, uh the buying and selling and and who's doing what but it's faster in a sense that they get a a reading on expansion or contraction in a timely manner like these this data is for january uh the real data that, that uh, both the Federal Reserve puts out and the Department of Commerce puts out, that stuff won't, be, won't come out for another month. And uh, so the manufacturing sector, which has been down for the, over the last year, is now picking up, uh, but it's still in contraction. But again, we'll talk about that later in the show today. And also the... Uh, the U.S. trade deficit uh, uh, information came out, and that showed that the trade deficit narrowed last year by the most since 2009, as the value of imported goods declined and the uh, service uh, surplus increased. So the annual trade shortfall shrank nearly uh, 19 percent in. Uh, uh, in uh, 2023, and basically what we're seeing is that uh, uh, in 2022, it reached a record high of $955 billion over the entire year, and that was the trade deficit, and last year was $773 billion. So that was a almost 20% decrease, according to the Commerce Department. And the the monthly uh, deficit in goods and services was $62.2 billion. So, and basically, if you take a look at where this trade deficit uh, started, uh, you can can go back into the, from here until the 70s, and it it really started in... uh, uh, 1990, somewhere in the 1990-1995 uh, time frame where the China was admitted to the World uh, Trade Organization. So uh, the report indicated that from an annual viewpoint, the value of imports fell uh, 3.6%, while exports of goods and services increased 1.2% to a record high. U.S. petroleum surplus climbed to a record $30.1 billion. 
and capital goods, consumer goods, motor vehicles uh, were the highest ever, and exports of food and feed uh, the lowest since uh, 2020. So imports of consumer goods declined to the lowest level since 2020. Uh, basically, as supply chains continue untangle, to untangle after being thrown in disarray by the pandemic pressures uh, eased as the U.S. companies uh, uh, U.S. companies to, uh, to stockpile materials and finished goods. Firms are now revamping their logistics networks to allow them to better weather supply disruptions in a specific region or uh, country. In other words, you're seeing uh, less imports out of China, more imports out of Mexico. Uh, the national, the nation's mercantile deficit with China last year strikes 27% to an unadjusted $279.4 billion, which was the smallest since 2010. The narrowing was the largest in data back to 2002. At the same time, the gap with Mexico grew to a record $152.4 uh, billion. So basically what we're doing is uh, the tariffs uh, that were imposed are basically having the effect of uh, moving the moving part of the materials that we import, moving that part of that back to the United States, but also moving a part of the uh, imports over to countries other than China, principally uh, Mexico. And uh, if we take a look at the, the uh, equity markets this week, there was another mixed week for global equities, but in the U.S., it was another positive week for the three major stock indices, uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, the Standard & Poor 500, and the NASDAQ Composite, all closing for the week for the fifth consecutive uh, week, all closing up for the week. So that's mostly due to strong fourth-quarter earnings for nearly two-thirds of the standard poor companies reporting so far. And uh, in addition, the standard and poor 500 index closing above uh, 5,000 added a little bit uh, of push to the uh, equities markets excitement. And these advances were, in spite of the Federal Reserve speakers, uh, cautioning investors about the, the value of being patient uh, as well as being correct in lowering the interest rate. So that's uh, basically that's something we're going to hear about for probably the next several months while uh, um, people, the investors in the bond market, will be guessing as to when the uh, Federal Reserve is going to start to lower the rates and the Federal Reserve is going to be uh, watching the data to make sure that inflation continues to go down rather than uh, sideways drop. So uh, be patient. And while in the UK, uh, uh, the UK, the FTSE 100 was down for the week, but if we look over into the Eurozone, uh, Germany's DAX, as well as the stock Europe 600, uh, closed up for the week. And in Asia, Japan's uh, Nikkei 225 closed up for the week, while in China, uh, Hong Kong's Hang Sen uh, also closed up for the week. So on Friday, the three major uh, U.S. stock indices uh, closed the week at the Dow Jones Industrial Average, uh, closed at 38,671.69. And that was up uh, uh, 0.04% for the week. The Standard and Poor 500 closed at 5,026.61. And it was up 1.37% for the week. And the NASDAQ uh, 
closed at 15,990.66, and it was up uh, 2.31% for the week. So the big picture was was very uh, bright this week. Uh, It's been good for the last, basically, 14 of the last uh, 15 weeks. Uh, all three of the, the major stock indices, U.S. major stock indices, have increased each week, and uh, uh, that's good for the big picture. And uh, hopefully, it's good for our uh, financial plans also. In other words, if you take a look at the, the individual personal financial plans, we're taking a look and saying, okay. Uh, have we identified our goals of what we want to accomplish in terms of uh, a, uh, raising a family and the standard of living for the family and affording a house and uh, uh, educating or caring and educating the, the children and, uh, and retiring sometime in the future? Uh, we have an idea of how much all that is going to cost and which we have and what uh, are we doing to set aside the money to pay for that. And if it looks like a losing battle, uh, should we switch jobs or should we uh, get more education? Uh, Should we uh, learn uh, uh, a different trade or what should we do? Uh, to improve our situation and improve our uh, financial plan. So uh, that's something that we all have in front of us. And it's a, if you put it together and uh, uh, stick with it, uh, you can modify it, but it's still uh, like a roadmap that takes you from here to where you want to go. And uh, uh, you might make some detours along the way, but it shows that you've done the thinking, you've identified your options, you've identified uh, your decision points, and you know what you're doing so that if, uh, uh, you know, unforeseen uh, calamities happen, uh, you can respond to that. It's not a a matter of total panic. It's, It's a matter of, hey, we've got a, a uh, difficult situation, we can get through it because we've got the resources. Uh, if we didn't identify this situation beforehand, then at least we have the resources from other sources to uh, be able to get through it. So financial planning is the key to uh, getting taking care of your finances. Get that down, and then you can pay attention to the other points in life. This is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. You can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. That's 1-888-281-1110. Now stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week, we take calls from people just like you, who have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes, however, Jim can't answer all your questions because of time restraints and the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstones Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstones Consultants, Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, finding your next home, planning for retirement, finding the right mutual fund, or covering your assets with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow with Jim McAleese.
Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAlee. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, you can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. You know, we were talking about uh, the first part of the show about, hey, how's the economy doing? Uh, and one of the things we look to is the... Um, the uh, supply part of the economy, the supply sectors. So in January, business activity in the U.S. uh, service sector increased for the 13th consecutive month. And uh, uh, if you recall, what's happened so far is that the uh, when the interest rates went, well, when COVID hit, uh, the service sector of the economy uh, you know, going out for dinners and going to shows and travel and all the rest of the stuff uh, disappeared. Uh, and uh, people concentrated on the buying goods through uh, Amazon and, and Walmart because they could do that over their computers. And uh, now we're in a different phase where the manufacturing side or the goods side is down. And the um, uh, service side of the economy is up because people are now reacting to getting cooped up with the COVID, and they're out about uh, doing what they want to do. And and, uh, the increase in uh, January was due to higher new orders and uh, resumed spending after the holiday season. the uh, service index uh, number uh, 50 is considered in these indices. 50 is considered to be a neutral point, and anything above 50 is considered expansion, and anything below 50 is considered to be contraction. So, uh, as far as the service index, uh, it went from 50.5 in December to 53.4 in January. So, uh, Anthony Dives, who is the chairman of the uh, ISM, the Institute of, Sup- of uh, Supply Management Service Business Survey Committee, said, quote, the majority of the responses indicate that business is steady. He continued with the, the overall growth rate increase in January is attributable to faster growth in new orders, employment, and supplier deliveries. Companies are optimistic, but the but the economy, due to the potential uh, uh, impact of internal rate cuts uh, uh, of interest rate cuts. Uh, however, they are uh, cautious due to inflation associated with cost pressures and uh, ongoing geopolitical conditions. Uh, so what they do with regard to these uh, surveys, uh, uh, they talk to uh, uh, manufacturing executives and uh, each month, and they ask them about how did this month compare to last month in terms of parameters like new orders, production, shipments, uh, employment, back orders, uh, and the ISM. Institute of Supply Management and grind through the data to provide the uh, uh, index number. So, again, 50 is considered to be neutral, uh, above 50 expansion, below 50 contraction. So, uh, this is some of the responses that they got from the executives in terms of uh, utility executives. Uh, supply chain disruptions forced a change in uh, Minimax uh, inventory calculations uh, to assure on-time materials. Now the most disruptive are over, and these calculations are being normalized, which will slow down ordering while the inventory is right size. The district is seeing higher than normal turnover as workers are being aggressively pursued uh, by 
others offering higher wages. Uh, water sales are lower than expected due to uh, unseasonably cool weather. This will put pressure on rates along with an increase in wages in, in order to attract and retain quality employees. So let's just take a, take a minute and go to the phones. Hello, this is Jim McAuley. How are you? Can I help you today? Hello. Hello. Hello there. How are you today? Um, okay. Um, Jim, I have a uh, question for you. Uh, can you hear me okay? I can hear you loud and clear. Okay. Um, as you know, AI will be replacing thousands and thousands of jobs. And every time I read the paper or hear the news, I hear thousands and thousands of people being uh, laid off. Now, how is the government going to get taxes from computers? Basically, what you're going to see is in this uh, <clears throat> this uh, AI business. You're going to see computers uh, used to uh, to reduce the paperwork, so to speak. In other words, I'm, what I'm looking at is uh, if your job involves uh, uh, sorting things, that, you know, primarily paper rather than rather than uh, hard goods or anything like that. Uh, if uh, your your company is involved with a lot of uh, sorting um, numbers and things of this nature. The computer can do that much better than the people. Uh, the people will the, the company uh, uh, will probably lay off the people, and the people will have to uh, retrain for another job. And basically, what you're seeing is that uh, it's a it's a new it's a new concept. It's going to uh, uh, really come to fruition in probably within the next five years. And okay, well, well, I'm experiencing it now with calling, and it, the computer wants to answer my questions of why I'm calling. And the computer gives off a list of things, which is not the reasons why I'm calling. And to get to a human uh, to resolve issues or information, and I'm also experiencing it in other avenues. Now, do you think the medical profession, the doctors, are going to, uh, 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 is is that going to affect them? I think so. In other words, if I take a look at the literature nowadays, what you're seeing is uh, um, if if you put in the uh, symptoms, uh, the computer is perfectly capable of coming up with the uh, an answer, uh, considering the information that you put into it. Now, uh, what you're going to see is that uh, the It'll be useful in some cases, but uh, as we as you as we develop this new approach uh, to doing medicine and things of this nature, uh, you're going to see issues and problems. And the, the uh, thing there's going to be a lot of mistakes, and uh, people uh, are going to be have to be aware that you are talking to a machine, the machine does have capabilities and uh, may not get all the information, relevant information uh, that's necessary to make a decision, but it will give you an answer. It may be the wrong answer. So, Where are the taxes yeah. going to come from? Because I'm every day, as I said, thousands and thousands of people are being laid off from various companies and computers can't pay taxes. So where, where, where is the government going to get the uh, uh, taxes? Okay, the government gets taxes 
major taxes from two places. One's the uh, personal income tax, which requires workers, and the other one is the corporate income tax. Now, certainly, uh, using the computers will uh, cut down the expenses, increase the profits, and it'll show up in the corporate. And as far as the personal income taxes, I think what you're going to see is that uh, as this system evolves, you're going to have opportunities, or you're going to you're going to see places that you can get additional information and training, uh, and uh, the jobs will change. In other words, I remember years ago when computers first started, uh, there were people card punchers that had to punch cards to feed into the machine. Nowadays, uh, you you put your data into the machine by links and stuff like that, and uh, you also can talk to the machine, talk, talk to the computer. It has voice recognition, and and uh, uh, voice the voice recognition at the present time isn't the best, but it's getting better and better. So if you go to Google or something like that, what Google is is basically a huge database uh, connected to a uh, uh, interface that understands and can communicate uh, with people. So you ask well, it a question, and it goes to the database. There's different people involved. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I have one Maybe more I'm question. Not... Um, sure. Why isn't there a billionaire's tax by now? Why isn't um, there a billionaire's tax? As you okay. know, Warren Buffett has said many times that his secretary pays more in taxes than he does. Well, it may... may... The billionaires have a host of people. To they've got uh, uh, bookkeepers, they've got accountants. Uh, I'm sure if the IRS goes into a major company and wants to go over their books, uh, you'll probably see maybe uh, a group of IRS employees, maybe four or five of them, go into a meeting room with, let's say, a reasonably large corporation, that meeting room will be full of lawyers, uh, accountants, and bookkeepers. And they will have reams of data that show uh, why, where their money went, and things of this nature. But don't you think uh, that the IRS is going to go... uh, Those billionaires have super tax lawyers. Now... Don't you think IRS will go after the the salesman who made fudges on his expense account or the average person or seniors where they don't have tax lawyers? I can't believe that IRS would spend that kind of time uh, 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 after the billionaires. I agree. I agree. I agree. You're you're going to find that the IRS uh, people... They're average, they're normal people. They are normal people, and uh, they will spend their time where it's most productive to them. Uh, the, the company or the, the government might want to go after the billionaire, but it's going to be a uh, uh, too costly in terms of a person's career to be playing around with these big companies. They're just, they're prepared for the... the they pay attention to their taxes, and they're prepared to beat any IRS uh, attack, so to speak, on their on their profits. Do you uh, feel in the right. future that there will be maybe somebody who's going to fight for the average com- uh, uh, consumer? Well, uh, when you increase your taxes, my my experience has been if you increase your taxes. What you're going to see is that uh, uh, the the rallying cry we're going to be is going to be we're going to tax the rich, we're going to tax the billionaire, and that's all nice and well. But the billionaires are prepared and ready for the attack. 
And then it'll boil down to, well, where are we going to get some money? And the the major money in the United States involves the middle, the middle class. Strictly because, not because we're wealthy, but because there's so many of us. Okay, so that's where the uh, IRS will concentrate its power. Taxing Do you think taxes are going to go up class. in 2024 or 25? Sure. Sure. Well, you, either either two things, one of two things has to happen, or maybe both. They've got to bring down the government spending, and they've and they've got to uh, it, or increase the taxes. You are spending. The government is now spending six point seven trillion dollars a year, and is bringing in four point six trillion dollars a year in income. In tax revenues, okay, you're you're running a debt. The, gov- the federal government is running a deficit of two trillion dollars a year, and we're adding this two trillion dollars every year to a national debt that now stands at thirty-four trillion. So something's got to give. Probably within the next five years, uh, these guys will figure out how to run the government. So. I've got to go for a okay, break. Okay, right Jim, now. thanks a million. Thanks so much. You, you, you take care. Bye-bye. Uh, uh, this is Jim McAlee. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Rich Flow. This is your host this morning, uh, Jim McAleese. Uh, we were talking about uh, what's happening with regard to the, the service industries. And what we're seeing here is that uh, the service industries, uh, the business activity is growing. Uh, production is growing faster. New orders are growing faster. Employment has started to grow. It was contracting, and uh, the backlog of orders is growing, and it used to be a month earlier it was contracting. So basically the uh, the uh, service industries are picking up, and if you take a look at uh, the, the, the uh, S&P Global, what they say about the service industries, uh, this is a uh, comparable to the ISM. Uh, this is from Chris Williamson, who is their chief business economist at S&P Global Market Intelligence. Quote, the U.S. service sector started the year in the sweet spot with output and demand growth accelerating while price pressures cooled markedly. The key driver of faster Growth was the financial services sector, where looser financial conditions tied to expectations of lower interest rates spurred greater activity in January. Households also benefited from looser financial conditions driving renewed growth in consumer-facing services. The buoyancy of the service sector has outweighed a further lackluster performance in manufacturing and is driving overall output higher at a rate broadly consistent with a gross domestic product rising at a 2% rate. Uh, With bad weather having curved some economic activity in January, February should see further improvements in overall performance. Business optimism about growth prospects in the service sector have likewise jumped higher encouraging further payroll growth, uh, uh, although that's limited by labor shortages. Price pressures have meanwhile shifted lower. Overall service sector input cost growth is now running at the second lowest in over three years, helping pull selling price growth 
across uh, goods and services down to a level consistent with inflation dropping materially below the Federal Reserve's 2% target in the near future. So uh, the service industries, I think, you can look at those and you know that uh, uh, they're doing well. As far as uh, uh, manufacturing, manufacturing, let's take a look at the factory orders uh, for December, according to the Department of Commerce monthly full report on manufacturers' shipments, inventories, and orders for December. Orders for manufactured goods increased 1.2 billion or uh, two tenths of 1% to $594.3 billion in December. Uh, Shipments uh, increased uh, three tenths of a billion. Uh, or basically they were steady at $581 billion in December. And if you take a look at the, break the manufactured goods down into durable, uh, which are goods that last over three years, there are things like uh, tools and refrigerators and cars, and uh, non-durables are things that, uh, like food and oil and chemicals, you break it down into durable and non-durable, the uh, new orders for durable manufactured goods decreased uh, one-tenth of a billion uh, to $295.4 billion, and transportation led the decrease with a decrease of $1.0 billion. And uh, the big thing there was that was in uh, uh, airlines uh, in terms of civilian aircraft uh, that dropped uh, uh, civilian aircraft are fairly expensive in other words if you take a look at a a Boeing 737 a list price of a Boeing 737 is about 90-95 million dollars the, uh, what they do, the airlines do, is group those buys in groups of, you know, uh, five or ten or maybe even twenty aircraft at a time to get the best price. So when those orders hit, uh, they make a big bump in the uh, uh, the durable goods manufacturing list. And also, now if you take a look at non-durable manufactured goods. New orders for non-durable manufactured goods increased 1.2 billion uh, in uh, uh, December to uh, 298.9 billion, and the shipments also increased about the same thing. And the major change was due to uh, food products. And uh, if you take a look at automobiles in terms of manufacturing. Uh, and motor vehicle sales slowed to 15, this is an annual version, annual number of units, annual rated in January after an upward revision to 16.1 million units in December. Uh, sales of domestically uh, produced motor vehicles fell in January. Uh, domestically produced uh, motor vehicles account for 77% of the sales in January. Uh, so what you're seeing is that the sales of light trucks, which include minivans, SUVs, crossovers, uh, was down in January from December. And uh, so if you take a look at uh, uh, what happened in, the, in the, the orders for civilian aircraft, you see that in October, uh, the orders were down 49.6%, and uh, in November, they were up 80.1%, and December, they were flat. So what you're seeing is that uh, uh, the uh, manufacturing uh, is, in this particular case, it's just barely uh, 
uh, uniform and constant from one month to the other. The Institute of Supply Management says that uh, uh, the the manufacturing is picking up. So uh, all in all, it's, it's, it's all in all is a good picture for the economy. Uh, manufacturing is coming up. Uh, service industries are up and getting moving faster, and uh, the uh, Jobs are there, and the employment is there. So uh, stay tuned. I'll be right back. Welcome back. In our financial world, we have to make decisions. The big decisions you have to think about because they are consequences. And here's a story about one of life's big decisions. An old Cherokee chief sat down to teach his grandson about life. And there's a, there's a fight going on inside me, he said to the young boy. A fight between two wolves. One wolf is evil. It's full of malice and anger, greed and self-pity and false pride. The other is good. It's full of peace and love and joy, kindness and humility. This same fight is going inside you and everybody else on the face of the earth. The grandson was quiet, pondering this revelation for a moment, then asking grandfather, what wolf will win? The old man smiled and replied, the one you feed. And the message is to nurture what is good and don't nurture what is the bad side. And here's another story about nurturing the good in our lives. And this came from a wise man that once said, Hate has four letters. So does love. Enemies have seven letters. So does friends. Lying has five letters. So does truth. Negativity has ten letters. So does positivity. Cry has three letters. So does joy. Anger has five letters. So does happiness. Right has five letters. So does wrong. Hurt has four letters. So does heal. If life seems like a double-edged sword, Try to transform every negative side into a positive side. Good and evil exist within each one of us. It's our responsibility to own that reality and do what we can to nurture what is good. Until we meet again, may God protect you and keep you safe. Ohio 44090, where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc. The materials Jim shares is not intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security or other financial instrument. Past performance does not guarantee future performance. All the views expressed are those of James McAleese and Cornerstone's Consultants, Inc., and not those of Next Financial Group, Inc. Next Financial Group does not provide tax advice. The S&P 500 is a market cap weighted index composed of the common stocks of 500 leading companies and leading industries of the U.S. economy. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is a price-weighted index of 30 actively traded blue-chip stocks. To make an appointment with Jim regarding your own finances, call 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners.
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.